0: This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky, coming to you from nowhere, really. I'm just retired. (laughs) However, there are working people. We still have working people on the staff here. (laughs) And
1: that is... That's right. That would be me, uh, Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church. And I'm right here in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, south side.
0: And how many times, Matt, have you been to Ted Drews? Be honest with us now.
1: <laughs> well, since they reopened uh, back in February, boy, um, I would say about a half dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> is it honest. a weekly?
0: Is it a weekly thing for you, Matt? Or? Well, it's
1: it's getting there. It's, getting, it's there. getting there. Yeah, that's right. So the congregation knows my. Uh, my Ted Drews, um, what's well, what I'm looking for. My affinity for Ted Drews, yep. and so uh, every once in a while, I get a gift card from oh. from someone at Ascension. So, yeah, it's rare that I have to pay for Ted Drews, which is which is really <laughs> thoughtful of the congregation, and that's what keeps me going. You know, like, pastor runs on Ted Drews.
0: Well, and if I I understand they have like a separate little booth for you. Don't they? They're at Ted Cruz. It's the Matt Clark booth, and it's like reserved yeah. for you whenever you come. Yeah, I, I
1: wish. <laughs> you know, what I'm waiting for is for them to name a concrete after me. You know, <laughs> then, then you've arrived, John. You've that, arrived. that would be the pinnacle. Yeah. The
0: Clark concrete. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, for those of you who don't know Ted Cruz, there are no booths there. No, no. You come in, you stand in line, you get to your, and then you stand around. And there are all kinds of people six foot apart, of course, now because of COVID. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, had, was the guy there with the umbrella beating on people? Because when we went there last <laughs> year, there was a guy with an umbrella. And if you got too close, he would come and whack you and say, get back!
1: Six foot! Stand in line! There's your spot. <laughs> is that right? No, we, we haven't had an umbrella guy beat us yet, Jeff. Okay. Well. But it's it's uh, No, it is open. And yeah, it's, it's frozen custard, if you're not familiar with with st louis it's great stuff we we did see a pig there i might have shared that when what? we were when it what? was so yeah when it was christmas time they're selling their christmas tree someone had a, a big a big pig on a leash there <laughs> at Drews. so i took a couple pictures of that and uh, but 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 no one with an umbrella beating people up sorry to <laughs> well send
0: me send me the pictures of the pig <laughs> that's that would be worth going to Drews for so all right, so so Matt and I we had we had and, and I hope people understand we don't necessarily plan any of this. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah, they probably figured that.
1: Out. <laughs> I, think they, I think our listeners have figured that one out. John.
0: We probably don't need to tell them that. Uh, uh, but so this was not our original plan, but we we had so much fun doing the Easter story, uh, Matthew doing the Easter story uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. We thought it would be fun if we did now the East. East John doing the Easter story from the gospel of John. <laughs> so so a little nepotism again yeah, uh, yeah. this, this, uh, this you,
1: afternoon. You, you can't go wrong. Jesus is alive at the end of every gospel, spoiler alert, and the tomb is empty. <laughs> so you can't go wrong. Um, but I, well, why do you – so, John, why do you have the different accounts? Why are – why why four different accounts? I mean, they're all the same account, but why – why do the four Gospels all retell them? Why can't this one Gospel tell us about Easter? And, and, and the other Gospels can talk about other stuff. So why all four of them?
0: Well, well see, because that's what's cool. When, when you're a pastor, you're actually in the business of reading all of these Gospels. People pay you to do that, to study them. What, what, a, what a great gig we've got. Not a bad deal. <laughs> right? You know, if we started paying people to come to Bible study, I'm sure that would really boost Bible study attendance. <laughs> okay, uh, um, but but uh, and that's the thing. Everybody's unique. Everybody has a different perspective. Everybody gives you little details and insights uh, that that, and you're just you're glad to have them. Uh, just like last week, you you were talking about the whole insight about their the earthquake and the angel, uh, and you wouldn't get that. Uh, from the other Gospels. They don't tell us about that. Oh, oh, oh before I forget, Matt, th- there is another detail from, from your your Gospel, from the Gospel of Matthew, that, that we, we should have mentioned last week. You remember those last words when Jesus says, go tell your brothers, he brothers. says.
1: Yeah. 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 And,
0: and what's cool is that's the first time Jesus ever calls his disciples brothers. He yeah, calls them cool. disciples. He calls them servants. But after the resurrection, there's a change. There's a there's a dramatic change in the relationship with Jesus because now they're brothers to Jesus. Uh, and I always thought that was – that was. and see, again, if you didn't have Matthew, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. That Jesus yeah. considers us his brothers. I kind of like knowing that Jesus is my brother. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't mess with me. I'll have my big brother <laughs> take care of you. <laughs> you just watch yourself, devil, because my big brother is Jesus.
1: Well, that's exactly it, right? Watch out, Satan. You know, you've got nothing on me. Uh, I'm, I'm part of the family of God. Yeah.
0: And, hey, hey, death, don't mess with me, buddy, because my big brother is Jesus. And we saw what he did to you, and he's going to do the same thing for me. See? Yeah. So... So there, that's my answer, Matt, I'm because kidding, everybody's Matt. got this great stuff that you just couldn't squeeze it into one gospel. What's your answer? How, well, yeah. how, how do you respond to that?
1: Well, first, I think it's just important to affirm they're all true, right? Yes, <laughs> These are yeah. not contradictory accounts. They're all true. They're all about the very same event, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And then, yeah, we, we have different perspectives here, different perspectives from Matthew, different perspectives from John, you know, both disciples of Jesus. You have, have Luke investigating things, and this is from his investigation of the accounts he records this. And then you also have them writing to different audiences too, uh, different people, whether it be the Jews or whether it be the, the, the Greeks or the Romans. So uh, different audiences may be a change or, or what they might highlight or emphasize in their writing. But the beautiful thing is it's all the same account. It's all Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And I think these these four Gospels just add to the richness of Jesus' resurrection. And again, just emphasize the authenticity, the realness of this, that this is a historic event. And here it is told four times um, just to make sure that that you get it.
0: And, and, and of course the cool thing is is that as you said in every account the tomb is empty and, and again we referenced uh, our, our dear sainted friend Herb Miller and, and the reason he's on my mind is it was just a few weeks ago that Herb passed away so that's kind of an anniversary and, and Herb was writing a book about the resurrection of all things Matt and I know his family at this point is working to try to get that finalized and, and get that published uh, but but you know that that's what, what Herb pointed out, that, that if it if it didn't happen, there would have been any number of opportunities for people to stand up and say, well, this is just a lie. Well, there's the body there, you know. Uh, but that, of course, is the thing. It, uh, the, the testimony is that he's risen, and there's no one that ever comes up and says, oh, no, 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 he's really dead. Isn't that ironic? Which would seem to be the logical, rational thing, that someone would simply testify, oh, no, that's not true. Yeah. but But no, no, because they can't. Because there's there's no body, the tomb is empty.
1: Yeah, and then um, and that was in Matthew's gospel last week. We at the end of the program, we we talked about the word tell. You go, know, tell yes, his yeah. brothers, right? Tell, tell, tell that Jesus is risen. But then you read on and you see that those guards go back to the chief priests, and what do the chief priests say? They say, "Tell, tell people yes. that his body was stolen." Right? Ah. And then it says that that rumor has been spread even among the Jews to this day. <laughs> you know, and you wonder how many people maybe would have believed, but but yet they believe that lie, that rumor. And yet, as you pointed out, John, you know, th- there's no body. There's no proof. There, there's nothing. The tomb is empty. And that's the fact. That's that's history. That Jesus body really is gone. Uh, he's alive and the tomb is empty. And that's that's what we tell.
0: And and what's cool in that guard story is they actually have to pay don't they, oh, exactly. they bribe the guards? Yeah. You you don't bribe people to tell the truth?
1: <laughs> exactly. And the, the the guards know it's a lie. They had seen oh, the yeah. angel in the empty yeah. tomb. So
0: um, well, anyway, back back to the Gospel of John. And, and as you alluded, uh, every Gospel writer has his own kind of uh, uh, take, his own issues that he's dealing with. Uh, and, and why I always like John is because John is the last man standing. And John has a little different issue than the other Gospel writers. Because the problem that John is facing isn't that people question the resurrection. By this time, the church has established itself. It is growing. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, of course, the skeptics will always question whether he's resurrected. But as far as the church is concerned, nope, nope. We know he rose from the grave. We know the tomb was empty. But for them, the crisis is there's only one guy left who is actually a witness of that, and that's John. And, and that's, the, that's what frightens them because what happens when John dies? Will will the the, the, the rumors then begin to take control? Will the lies that were spread because of bribery begin to become the focus of the conversation? Will people then begin to say, well, you don't have any witnesses. Your last witness passed away. And they are really, really concerned about what's going to happen to the church when John dies. And I invite our—we can't do with this in a half-hour show—but I invite our listeners to read through the Gospel of John with that mindset that John's talking— Talking to people who are frightened of what will happen when there are no more eyewitnesses. And John does a very, very beautiful job of pointing out it's never about what we've seen. That's never what it is. But it is about faith. And faith can be given whether we've seen it or not. Uh, As is evidenced in the church today, Matt, there's a lot of I believe, you believe, and we never saw it. I don't know where the empty tomb is at. Uh and I guess it really doesn't matter cuz it's an empty tomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. And and I think, you know, he's the one too, John, that gives us all this detail with this account of Jesus and Thomas as well. And I love how that ends, you know, you believe because you have seen, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, you know, to emphasize that. And then I love that line that comes right after that. He talks about the purpose of the book that these things are written and you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, that by believing you would have life in his name. So I think as G- as John writes that, exactly what you said, John, is. Um, you're not an eyewitness eyewitnesses are all dead well guess what these things are written this written word is here that you may believe and that you may have life in his name
0: and and so first of all that, that principle about these things are written this is this is how we deal with history we don't have eyewitnesses of the Civil War anymore. We don't have eyewitnesses of the founding of our nation. Does that trouble us? Does that bother us? Does anyone say, well, I don't think George Washington really was our first president? No. But how do we know that? Because these things are written. So it's not a new principle. It's not asking us to have some foundation other than what we all understand. We we, we have to go by what is written. That's the only way we can know what has happened historically. Um. But but the other thing too, Matt, and that, that passage you quoted, blessed are those that haven't seen. See, that's part of our problem. We think if we could have seen those things, we'd be better off. Oh, how much greater our faith would be if we could have been with the women and witnessed the empty tomb. And yet, if you read all four accounts – it's always that they doubted, that they had questions. No, their faith wasn't strengthened by this. They needed to see it so they could be witnesses, so we would know it's true. But no, faith is something that God gives us by what is written. That's, That's how he does it. We cannot believe by our own reason or strength. To base it on sight would be to do it on our own reason and strength, but rather through the things that are written the Spirit gives us faith. And let me tell you, Matt, that's such a great joy because if I have to depend upon my reason, man, I doubt a lot of things and I'm confused about a lot of things. If faith is just something God gives me and it exists there even when I do have doubts, even when I'm frightened like the women were in the Gospel of Mark, that's kind of comforting to know, okay? I can have fear and yet still have faith at the same time. As you pointed out last week, that's what the women did. They had they had the fear but they had the joy that comes from faith
1: yeah yeah and our doubt doesn't change the fact that the tomb is empty, right yeah. no, <laughs> the, no the tomb isn't empty because the people believed it was be empty because Jesus risen just as he promised it's not dependent upon us, and that's that objective historic truth of the resurrection
0: and and Matt, thank you because you, you see a lot of people and and they're they're good Christian folk, but that's what they believe it's all dependent upon their faith. Right. And so we've got these jokers out there that are saying, well, here's why you got troubles, because you don't have enough faith. And I'm thinking, "Why? that is the greatest lie there is. No, no, it isn't dependent upon faith in that respect, whatever thing is going on inside of me. But rather faith is the fact that God has done these things and these are true, even when maybe in my flesh, I might have some questions and concerns and doubts because faith doesn't rely upon me or what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, but it relies upon what God has done as is recorded in the scripture, as you pointed out. Yeah. John, you want to start reading there, John verse one. We'll just see where this takes us.
1: All right. Sounds good. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lined with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes.
0: All right, so you'll notice that John really emphasizes the word see sight. Uh, Mary comes and she saw that the stone had been rolled away. Uh, Peter comes in and he saw the linen cloths lying there. Uh, And he saw the linen cloths again. He repeats that. And then John comes in and he also sees the uh, uh, linen cloths laying there folded up in a place by itself. And then it says, John, uh, the other disciple, but we know it's John, uh, he went in and he saw and believed. But it's the next editorial comment that's important. So John sees this empty tomb. He sees the claws lying neatly folded up. He sees and believes. But John reminds us, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. So uh, John's editorial point is, yeah, I saw the empty tomb. Yeah, I saw the linens lying there neatly folded. Obviously, this hadn't been a robbery. Whoever done this had been very neat and very organized. Yeah, I saw and believe. But you know what? I should have known. Uh, not by what I saw, but by what the scriptures had taught, that he must. It, it just had to be that way, uh, raised from the dead. And, of course, that's what John now will prove throughout the chapter. He'll show that, yeah, they, they, they rejoice when they saw, but then as soon as they don't see, it's all gone. Then they're frightened again. They're backed as if he never rose from the grave, which is why John keeps emphasizing it's what the scriptures say. That's what's important, that we know that whatever they say, that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important that the scriptures in terms of, well, Jesus' own words, you know, and we have those written for us, printed in red. We're so blessed to have that. And time and time again, Jesus promising that he's going to rise even in three days. And the disciples didn't quite understand that. But even in the Old Testament, there's that promise of resurrection. You know, we think of Psalms, and I think it's Psalm 16, where it talks about, you know, his Holy One will not see corruption or decay. So even those Old Testament scriptures testified to Jesus' resurrection, that this would happen. And if God promises it, it's going to (laughs) happen. Jesus is going to be raised. And yet again, as John points out so honestly, they didn't understand it as of yet.
0: So so here's the thing. Why do we bother to study the Old Testament? And you've answered that question. Because the Old Testament is filled with promises that God makes to people who are believers. Okay? And and here's the thing. Whenever God promises you something, that's What's going to happen? And that, of course, is the testimony of the Old Testament. And by the way, it happens to people who sin. It happens to people who doubt. I'm not saying that doubt and sin is a good thing to do because these things always have their consequence. Fear. We hear the word fear over and over again. Yeah, this is what happens. But as you said earlier, Matt, it does not change the facts. Jesus is resurrected. Everything he said was going to happen is happening to him and will happen to us as well.
1: Yes. And I think, uh, again, the the one example I think of is uh, uh, Peter Pan is not there, the scene where Tinkerbell dies, the little fairy, (laughs) and you got to bring Tinkerbell back to life, you know, and you got to really believe and clap your hands or whatever. And she comes back to life. You know, and that's, that's, that's not at all what's happening here. You know, so it's, again, it's not the faith of John or Peter that makes the resurrection possible or that brings Jesus back to life. Just the opposite. I mean, John honestly says that they didn't understand the scripture up to this point. Yes. So that's not what brings Jesus back to life. Their faith. No, what brings Jesus back is God's promise. God had promised it. No surprise there. Uh, Jesus is really raised from the dead. Because it's promised, because he is the son of God. He is who he says he is. And God's word happens. Um, so yeah, again, not dependent upon them. Just the opposite. It's all dependent upon God.
0: So, so let me give you a concrete example in, in our life as Christians today. So when you go to the Lord's Supper... That is his body and blood. Why? Because you believe it's his body and blood? No. No. <laughs> it's his body and blood because he says, yep. This is my body. This is my blood. Now, here's the great thing. He also says, This is my body shed, no, given for you. I haven't done communion in a while. <laughs> <laughs> But trust me, I that's how it was, I, as I remember now. You retired <laughs> guys. Oh. <laughs> I don't yeah, have to memorize those words anymore. But yeah, so it's the body given, it's the blood shed for you. See, and that's the joy to know that when we eat and drink, it's not that our faith is making it the body and blood, but quite the opposite. It is the body and blood that's been given and shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Because maybe in all of this, we need to remind our our, our listeners that's what makes the resurrection. important is because of what jesus said he was going to do when he died on the cross again it's what he said he was doing giving his life as a ransom for many maybe we can talk about that text someday uh um and but the question is was it true was it true what he said, that he died for our sins and that we're totally and absolutely forgiven? Well, on Easter morning, you learned, yeah, that is true. That's absolutely true. Again, you may be still feeling guilty. You may be still be wrestling with some of these sins. But here's the absolute truth, as Paul says. This is a faithful saying. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, and he literally did. Yeah. And the resurrection is the proof of that.
1: And if his word is true for this resurrection, you know, the, the, this miracle, it, his word is true everywhere. So everything that yeah. Jesus said is reliable and true. Every last promise that he's with us always to the end of the age, that whoever believes in him doesn't perish, but have eternal life. Like on and on and on. If the resurrection is true, everything is true.
0: So, so here's the two things, and I'm glad you emphasized that about the Lord being with us. I, I don't know where our listeners are at at this point. Maybe, maybe they're having a good time and they're, they're uh, enjoying some blessings. Maybe they've got an illness or maybe they've got family troubles. But here's the one thing you need to know, as Matt just affirmed, and you can believe it, not because Matt and I said it, but because Jesus said it in the Scripture, the Lord is still with you. He is not going to abandon you or forsake you. In fact, anytime you feel forsaken, just remember, he cried out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? So even that can't separate you from him. And he also promises he's going to make it all work together for good. Now, when and how, I, I don't have an answer for that. But we know, we know that's what's going to happen. Uh, because it's what he says in the scripture, as John pointed out in his gospel. But here's the final thought I had, Matt. So it also means we know how this is all going to end. Uh, Isn't that what's really great about Easter? Isn't that the difference that Easter makes is the reminder that death is not the end of things? It isn't. It wasn't for Jesus. It's not for me and you. Uh, And it's certainly not for our loved ones, and especially for the loved ones who have already a departed, that God has already taken home to the mansions he's prepared for them. I, I hope everyone here knows that's what the difference is. One of the big differences about Easter is that the future, the future is settled for us and, and for all those we've loved who have died. Any Any closing thoughts, Matt?
1: Yeah. I mean, just as, as communion is for you, right? Uh, so also Easter is, is for you. Whoever's listening, it's for you. And connected to Jesus' death, we're also connected to his resurrection. We're connected to his Easter resurrection. And uh, that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference in life and in death and, and on the last day at his return.
0: And, and again, if you have a question about that, I would remind you, get baptized, because Jesus clearly says that these promises apply to those who are baptized. As you said, take the Lord's Supper, because again, Jesus clearly says these promises apply to those who eat and drink. And then go and, and, and hear the word of God. Don't, don't go to church because it's an obligation, but because there Jesus is going to repeat those promises. And what the scripture says is what is true. This has been
1: Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the
0: Basics. basics.